0: Hello and welcome to A's Plus, the San Francisco Chronicles podcast on the Oakland A's and Major League Baseball. I'm your host, Chronicle A's beat writer Susan Slusser, and today we have an edition of the Feldy Follies with David Feldman. We will talk about the A's hard charge out of the gate in the second half, the Homer Bailey trade, the upcoming schedule, and some very nice conversations about Ramon Laureano, Mark Canna, and Marcus Simeon. All of that coming up next on A's Plus. Today on A's Plus, we've got an edition of the Feldy Follies post-All-Star break uh, and post-sweep of the White Sox. Um, David, what were your impressions of, of the A's first series coming out of the break?
1: You know, they did exactly what they needed to do, and that is beat a team that is beatable. In the Chicago White Sox. This is not a very good team. This is a team with a terrible run differential. Probably their record's a little better than it should be with the talent that they have. But the A's took care of business. And, and, you know, from the start, from Friday night, where Mike fires the tone, uh, shutting them down, to offensive explosion, a seven-run first inning on Saturday. And then a Sunday, which it was you know, a tough game for them. They weren't getting much done offensively, but they were able to get a big hit by Laureano to tie it up and then take advantage of a White Sox mistake. And and this is what the A's need to do to make the postseason, is, is beat these teams that they need to beat, uh, something they did very well a season ago, uh, and they're starting to do it again this year. It's nice to see them get on a roll right out of the break.
0: Yeah, we talked about that a little bit. You know, the one that kind of – the series that stands out now uh, with them finally – playing well against teams they should beat is is Toronto you know the record yeah. against Toronto was just baffling last year they really did for the most part most of the year take care of business against kind of the the down in the the division teams so yes i I think that's significant and you know the the schedule coming up uh, they they've got an interesting road trip that's not necessarily going to be an easy road trip coming up the, in the middle of this week, first Minneapolis and then Houston. The A's like to test themselves against Houston, as everybody in the division does, um, but they haven't seen them for quite some time. So uh, it, it, the, the schedule the rest of the way is actually not too, uh, with the exception of several series against the Astros. Uh, it's not all that tough. You know, you've got Minneapolis at some point, you've got the Yankees at some point, but this is not, uh, not necessarily one of baseball's harder schedules in the final couple months.
1: Well, the math says differently, Susan. <laughs> the math, the math says the A's remaining schedule is the second toughest remaining in the American League. Boy, uh, they're, when, they're
0: playing, when they're playing Kansas City as many times as they are.
1: Yeah, because of all the Houston games that they still have remaining, and they have two trips to Houston left. Uh, the games against the Yankees, they still have the Twins coming up. Um, you know, the National League, they they play the Cubs, they play the Cardinals. Uh, they're opposing. Winning percentage of their opponents is 5'11". The only team in the American League who has the worst is Toronto, which is just a little bit. Um, So it is tough. It's tougher than you might think. And I think this road trip coming up is going to tell you a lot because you're you're playing a really tough Twins team that is good at home, and then you're dealing with Houston and you've had no luck against all year. Um, That's a tough seven games. And this is why these two games against the Mariners are huge. Right? Because you can't look ahead. You've got to win these two games. The Mariners have been a thorn in the A's side or really, since 2006 when the A's destroyed them to win the division that year. But since then, it's been a struggle. And this year, they're only 6-7 and seven against the Mariners. Uh, they got to take care of business before this trip. There's one other road trip that I think is a huge, huge landmine. And that is the week in Chicago. Oh, yeah. Uh, three games against the Cubs, including a day game on the Wednesday, they have a full day off on Thursday, a day game on the Friday against the White sox uh and then that three game series. I think that week that's a hard week. Not just the games are going to be tough, but being in the same city and being in a great city for a week with a lot of nights off right. that could be a recipe for disaster
0: it could be I mean, I think in previous decades much like almost guaranteed (laughs) recipe for disaster uh the modern player is not necessarily quite as uh prone to spend all night on the town as uh you know let's say i mean we've had a's prominent a's as as recently as sort of the mid 2000s who were uh regularly missing curfew but you just don't hear that often uh, of guys doing that and if it's one or two guys okay uh if it's everybody yeah then you start to have a problem. But yeah, it's I mean, I am not gonna complain about a full week in Chicago, David Feldman, frankly. So uh you're you're right, it's interesting, but uh yeah, I'm I'm all for it.
1: You know what's funny is you bring that up. I, I think back, I always think back to this trip in two thousand three. The A's had a four city trip. And the first two cities was Kansas City and Minnesota. And then they had an off day on a Monday in Miami as a ready to play the Marlins. And this Monday off day, the whole team's out. They're out at the beach all day. Mark Mulder's out on a wave runner. They're, whole, they're out there. I'm like, Tuesday's game is a scheduled loss. There's no way. And Mulder's starting on Tuesday. Didn't get out of the third end. Oh. Uh, scheduled loss.
0: Oh. Okay, so they need to, like, <laughs> maybe not cope too hard on the day off, is what you're saying.
1: That's what I'm saying. They just need to, yeah, you're right. The, the, the player today is a lot different than, especially the early 2000 A's who like to have themselves a good time. Uh, and it worked for them because that helped spur them on. But this player, yeah, you're right. I don't think it's going to be quite as much of a trap as uh, it would be for some other athletics teams.
0: You know, it's interesting. I mean, I, obviously, some of it is related to the testing, right? For for PEDs, uh, the bans on on amphetamines um, now, and uh, you know, we know there, there was pretty openly greenies were pretty openly used in baseball. Uh, so that's one reason. Which so that's kind of an added side benefit of the of the PEDs testing, is that. Guys are much more well-behaved on the road, but I also, more than anything, I just think the money involved in the game now is so huge, Uh, and guys are starting to realize that opportunities are slimmer. Um, You know, teams are more willing to churn the roster. Uh, It doesn't matter what age you are. Teams kind of skew a little bit younger. Um, But you can be an established guy and have a down year, and you might be really struggling to get a contract afterwards. So uh, I, I think that, uh, yeah, that's that really is a much better behaved sport right now.
1: <laughs> no, it is for, for sure. And I think the, the focus, the on-field focus, and the time at the ballpark is so much greater than it's ever been before. I mean, I remember when I first started traveling with the A's in the early 90s, uh, the bus would leave the hotel two and a half, three hours for a game, and the whole team would be on that bus. Um, from the veterans to the rookie, they'd all be on the bus. And now when the bus leaves the hotel, there are no players on the bus because they're already at the park. They're at the park usually seven, six to seven hours before the first pitch. So they have to get their work in. They know they do, and that kind of curtails what they do at night.
0: Yeah, it's a, there's no doubt about it. You know, sometimes there's like one, maybe one relief pitcher, and sometimes that day's starter. But even – uh even that's getting much more unusual so uh i guess that's a good thing uh since we talked last the a's made a move they acquired homer bailey from the royals and sent kevin merrill who's a an infielder who's pretty well regarded within the system uh but the a's have so many good middle infielders uh and I think they felt kind of like they know what they have in him, and, and maybe they they have some other guys a little bit higher on the radar. What, what did you think of the move? They're essentially paying him less than half the major league minimum for the rest of the year, which uh, certainly from a cost perspective, very, very, very low-cost deal.
1: Yeah, this could be a really – this could pay off huge for the A's because Homer Bailey's on a roll right now. Uh, over the last five starts of his, an ERA under, under three, um, just dealing, and this is a guy who had to work his way back from not only Tommy John, but he also had a shoulder issue too. After that, um, so he really had a, four lost seasons from 2015 to 2018. Last year was just a guy working his way back. At a record of one and 14, and 6.09 ERA, he looked terrible, and that's why the Reds included him in the trade to the Dodgers. The Dodgers released him after one day, agreeing to pay him his 21 million dollars that he's making this
0: year. That's insane. And,
1: he, yeah, they're rather paying 21 and a pitch for him. Royals pick him up again, paying the minimum and he's paying off. Um, he's in a role. He, this was a guy for the Reds in the early part of this decade who was their established ace of their staff. You know, you look back at 2012, a playoff team for the Reds. He goes 13 and 10 with ERA 3.68, follows that up with a 3.49 ERA in, in 2013. Uh, so it's two no hitters. Um, he can have devastating stuff at the time, and now he's still in a splitter something that he's really worked on since he's come back from the injury uh i think this is a great i'll say it, i think it's a great acquisition at this time yeah um you're not paying him anything you really didn't give up that much for him um and you need him you have a need for him this you know the A starting staff they're, they're patching it together and they're pitching great they're pitching great but who knows how long that's going to last and you had a fifth spot that was open I think we saw what Tan- Tanner Anderson's about, and he's fine, but he's not a guy who's going to get you into the postseason, where Homer Bailey is a huge step up and a guy who could get you to the whole postseason.
0: Yeah, I, a very low-risk move, uh, certainly, you know, worth going for it. I mean, there's absolutely zero downside to it from what I can see. So, um, yeah, an interesting one. Uh, probably the first of several moves, um, you know, as, as – the A's have been saying, and I've been writing for close to a month, they're they're <laughs> going to add some relievers. So it will be interesting to see how prominent they will be. But uh, yeah, I would I'd certainly expect at least a little bit of tinkering in the bullpen from uh, anywhere from adding maybe a lefty specialist to you know adding a big name guy, and uh, which is that which they did last year. You know, added two big name guys. Sort of surprisingly. So, yeah, that's going to be kind of fun here in the next couple of weeks, especially with the hard trade deadline.
1: Yeah, I think it is. And the bullpen, it's so different to think about what we thought the bullpen was going to be coming into this season with your back end being Rodney, Trinan, Trevino, right? That's your back end of your bullpen, those three guys. And you added Soria, and you thought he'd fit in there somewhere too. But now it's Liam Hendricks, Yusmero Petit, Consoria Soria are the back of your bullpen, um, kind of a, a 180 from where we were. Um, and they're getting it done in the same way that the other guys did when they were rolling. Um, and so it's, it's, it's the bullpen, although, yeah, we've had a little bit more blown leads than we've had in the past. But the relievers ERA is, is right there with the starters ERA, just around 3.7 or so in this last 50-game stretch. They're getting the job done. It's different than we thought, but it's getting done. And now we're starting to see a little bit of signs, especially with Lou Trevino, that he's getting it back. Um, he pitched an inning on Saturday in the blowout. That's another crazy thought. You have a 12 run lead and you think that's the time to get Trinan and Trevino some work, which is just mind blowing to think that's where we're at. But Trevino looked more like himself. His stuff was better. And for Trinan, and I know he's frustrated, I know everybody's frustrated. He just he's not, doesn't have the control. He's not throwing his pitches for strikes. And the dilemma with him, I think, is when he gets going good, he needs to pitch a lot. Right. The more he pitches, it seems the better he is. And now you're just in a situation where he's not getting consistent work at all, so it's really hard to get him on a roll if he can't get into the games to begin with. Yeah.
0: They need more blowouts, I guess.
1: That's it. More 12-run <laughs> leads. Get get Trident in there.
0: Yeah, Trevino. I thought Trevino was showing some good signs before the break, too. I think uh, – I think he will probably be fine or close to fine. Again, you know, last year they were both so good. It's tough to to expect, you know, the exact same results. But, uh, yeah, Trinan, it's going to be, you know, who's to say? I I would have thought early in the season I would have told you, you know, this is just a blip. He'll get this turned around really fast. And he has struggled. uh, And he doesn't seem to know how to fix it. Uh, You know, the – coaching staff, I think sometimes they feel like a little bit like it's confidence. But at this point, I think it's really more, it has to, there has to be something mechanical or uh release point or something when, because it strictly comes down to his command and because uh, yeah. he's still getting nasty breaks on stuff. This, the stuff is moving. Uh, he's just not quite sure where, where it is moving.
1: No. And again, the guy and the hitters to their credit are laying off pitches. Yes. They're not swinging. They're there and they're making sure the only time you see him really go after pitches is when they have two strikes because they know that his control is so far off that um, they can just wait, they can just wait him out. And it's just, I'm sure that the frustration level and I you know we talked about it a little bit on Saturday and Sunday with him. It's just, he doesn't, he, he's so frustrated that he just can't get a clean inning yeah. and maybe that's all it's going to take is to get him in there one clean inning and, and boom, he's back. I, I don't know. It'll be interesting to watch over the last two and a half months.
0: I mean, once he gets back to the, place where he knows he can throw a strike at will if hitters are taking pitches just do that throw strikes until exactly. somebody shows they can hit it
1: yeah and he's so tough to he's t- when his stuff is is getting that movement he's tough to square off and even when you watch now the hits that he gives, gives up they're not rockets they're just balls that that find a hole a lot of the time a ground ball that just right. goes through it's, it's a frustrating time for him yeah. and frustrating to watch too
0: yeah pitch to contact stop whacking guys yeah. It's just that easy, David.
1: <laughs> it's easy. It's I easy mean, kick. obviously.
0: Um, I feel for him, especially after a year like that. And he's certainly trying. I mean, the effort level is is uh, more than there. I mean, you know, it might even be a trying-too-hard situation. So, uh, you know, I hope for his sake that he gets it um, figured out soon. I would say from a team perspective, he, you know, there will be help coming soon. And at that point, you wonder what role does he wind up pitching in? You know, if they add a couple of back-end guys and he's having trouble even getting innings to work stuff out in, I don't know where he winds up pitching. It'll be, that'll be very interesting. Now, I know they there were win. some guys that caught your eye this week uh, when the A's came back from the break. Uh, Ramon Loriano with a very nice series. You, what are your observations of Ramon Laureano
1: recently? You know, Laureano's become an offensive force. Just, you know, since June 12th, so just over a month now, he's hitting 290 with 10 homers and an OPS over 1,000. He's also 5-for-5 five five in steals. He's now homered in four of his last five games. And and pretty important homers is, too. These aren't just wasted shots. These, these things mean something. And he's become a force in that bottom half of the lineup. Um, that's a huge for the A's. It really stretches it out. Um, his defense is, is still an issue. I think we all get blown away by his, his great throws and we should be because they're fantastic but the normal plays he, he's still not getting great jumps on the ball he still takes some interesting routes and I know he's beating himself over his de- beating himself up over his defensive times so that's the next part of his game that needs to come but offensively what a weapon he's now been down in that second half of the lineup it's been a, a huge plus for the years.
0: yeah yeah he's so fun to watch uh... In in really all facets. You're right. He, you know, he he has much more this year than we saw last year. Struggled with finding the right route sometimes. Uh, you know he can do it because he does it most of the time, but every once in a while, yeah. and it always seems like, of course, in a really key situation, he just kind of, you know, will, will just say, miss the ball. I'm like, well, yeah. okay. Ha, you're doing that 95% of the time you're doing the right thing, so uh i'm i know he's frustrated and he's working hard at it and that's that's the main thing is he is working at it he's capable of it so hopefully he gets that squared away soon I, you know he really did so little wrong last year <laughs> it was a little, little we we so unfairly compare all of these guys yeah. to last year's right. stuff but uh you know I, I was surprised the first few times he kind of went after balls in strange ways uh and now it's kind of like ugh you know what, what's going on there. So uh, a work in progress, still very young, first full major league season, uh, and in a world of talent. And he's just been an overall a, a major plus for them for sure. Uh, yeah, Mark he's a Hanna, guy. Um get obviously getting some more playing time recently with injury to Stephen Piscotti. There was a run of of left handers the A's faced. Well, what can you say about Mark Canna?
1: Mark Canna, who's taken an everyday job now. And he's proving me really wrong because he's coming through consistently now in the last 11 games. He's hitting over 340. He's got three homers. And here's another one in these 11 games. He has 10 walks and only nine strikeouts. So he is being patient at the plate. He is uh, taking his walks. He's being productive and OPS over 1,000. Um, playing a very solid defense out there. Uh, and another power threat for this athletic team Um they haven't lost a beat with Steven Piscotty down. You know, Piscotty was not having a great offensive season, uh, it's a little up and down and never really consistently being productive. Where Canada now is kind of run with it and is being productive in there. Now that said, uh, there are still situations uh, with guys on base that he tends to overswing. Um, he seems to be more relaxed when there's nobody on base. So he needs to work on that a little bit, but a great plus for the A's and showing a little bit of their depth, right? With, you know, only a three-man bench, and two of them now with with Pinder and Canna That when they can plug in and play, and you're not you're not missing a step when they're in there. And in this case with Canna, you're actually gaining a step. Uh,
0: my colleague Ron Krejci has a really nice story on Marcus Simeon uh, that will be appearing in the paper. Uh, you know kind of the exactly what you'd expect how far this guy has come since his first season with the A's uh, which is just extraordinary what he's done through sheer hard work Um, what do you see from Marcus Simeon this year
1: and lately I just think what he's become for this athletics team is the rock he is there every day every day he plays shortstop every day he leads off uh, you don't even have to think about it. It's clockwork, right? And at this point, this is his fifth season as the A's starting shortstop. And if he continues to play every day like he is, at the end of the season, he'll have the third most games in Oakland history at short, only trailing Burt Campi-Campanaris and Miguel Tejada. Uh, we would never have thought this when we first saw him play, right, in 2015. Oh, made no, I, I thought areas. he
0: would get replaced by midseason.
1: Yeah, there was no chance that, that we'd be talking about Marcus Simeon five years later as being a rock of this team. I mean, from 35 errors that season to, so far this year, six. And, and the key to me for him and his development is the routine play. The routine play is made every time. Uh, and that's what really was the play that he struggled with early in his career. Even a couple of years ago, he still, whether it was a timing issue, whether it was a confidence issue, whatever it was, the, the routine play was giving him issues. Um, not anymore. Now you want the ball hit to, to Marcus Simeon because he's going to make the play. Um, he doesn't have the greatest range. He's not robbing guys of hits like, like Brandon Crawford is across the bay. But that's not his game. His game is making every play consistently. Um, and with Matt Chapman at third base, who has more range than any third baseman, it allows Simeon to cheat a little bit not have to cover as much to his right, and you have a left side of the infield that no balls are getting through that shouldn't get through. It's huge to watch. And then offensively, again, he takes good at bats. He's putting the ball in play more than he ever has in his career. He's making more contact. He has the highest OPS of his career. Uh, He has an outside chance to get over 200 hits, something only Miguel Tejada has done for the Oakland A's. Uh, it's, It's an amazing story. And, of course, the local angle. Right? The fact that he's from here. He's you know, and the A's history is dotted with local kids making good from all the way back from Claudio Washington to Ricky and Dave Stewart. It, it's wonderful to see this local product be this rock of this A's team.
0: Yeah, I totally agree with you. Give give this man a long term extension. Absolutely. Now, where are you standing right now on the second base spot?
1: So it's I'm rooting for Franklin Barreto. I root for Jarison Perfor, too. I root for who's ever playing. I really want Barreto to succeed. Uh, I just, you know, the, I remember as a kid, I, the A's had a first baseman named Kelvin Moore, who came up in the early '80s. He was just one of those guys I was just rooting for. You wanted him to succeed in the A's. In 1983, they decided that Kelvin Moore was going to get to be the first baseman. Uh, I'm sorry, 1982. He was going to get to be the first baseman. He was going to get the whole first month of the season, and he was going to have a chance to prove himself. And if he did, he gets to play. If not, they're going to move on. I kind of feel like that's what they're doing with Franklin Barreto right now, because they're saying, here you go. We're going to give you pretty much the everyday job. Prove it to us that you belong. In the Kelvin Morris uh, instance, he didn't prove it, and he was gone. Hopefully, Franklin Barreto is able to prove this. And if not, you still have Dirksen Profar, who has still been a very productive second baseman. So it's not a horrible situation to see Barreto get this chance, hopefully come through, and if not, okay, move on, and we have Profar there.
0: Yeah, and it's not hurting them any, any. I mean, obviously they've been winning games. I thought the timing was interesting, you know, coming sort of a monthish before the trade deadline, maybe a little bit more. Uh, you take a look at what you got, and maybe if you decide doesn't necessarily work for you, or you might have better options now or down the line. Maybe you include them in a trade. Uh, you know, if somebody there's somebody out there that's been asking on them, uh, or uh, maybe you know you do something else with another middle infielder you know in in the upper levels not Mateo I don't think of Mateo's going anywhere unless they really make an absolutely spectacular move for for somebody that would be here for more than just a couple of months um I I think at some point if Profar and Bredo both struggle uh, I wonder if Mateo becomes an option um and I I would like to see him come up and, and at least be on the bench sooner than later because his speed is so electrifying and and the the bat is so intriguing so, um, yeah, I'm kind of I, I, I'm i like you, you know Nobody's rooting for anybody to fail um, But no. uh, they do have options Which is nice, and, and I think that they're uh, Trying to kind of explore What, what uh, things like might look like there
1: Yeah, and you know And defensively, I know the made a few errors uh, But he looks Pretty confident out at second base He yeah. um, doesn't look like the game's too big Or too fast for him uh, He seems to settle in, and now his whole thing with hitting is is not chasing breaking balls. Yeah, right? he's, he was he's
0: fine defensively. Him. Um, it, and Profar has been noticeably better. The throwing noticeably is still better. not always, you know, ent- entirely what you'd be looking for, but it's so much better than it was early in the season. So, um, kind of, yeah, kinda, you know, give let's give him a little bit of credit for really working hard on that, uh, and you know overcoming something that potentially really could have maybe been career ending if he really had a terrible case of the ips he's he's at least showing he can do the basics okay
1: no he is and he turned his double play on friday night that and he fired the ball it was probably the hardest throw as far as speed that he's had all year it was just straight on target um showing you that he can he can make that throw he can make that turn um, yeah, it's I know when Stone's he doesn't think walking. about it, he's
0: fine. It's like if you give exactly. him a little extra time to think, that's sometimes when you get the little, little lollipop. But it, we've seen fewer and fewer of those.
1: Yeah, he looks better. And I think Barreto, he's he, he chasing balls and striking out. And we saw over the weekend, he actually put some good at-bats together. He actually drew a walk on Saturday, which is his first walk of the year. Um, but just even long at-bats where he's fouling off pitches and and swinging at strikes. Um, we're seeing progress there, and I think that comes with playing every day. All his other opportunities has been very sporadic playing time. Now if he knows he's going to be in there and he's going to get a chance to play, I I think he's going to be better. Um, It's going to be interesting to watch in this next couple weeks to see how this turns out. Yeah,
0: I, I agree. We will look forward to talking to you then, maybe even a little bit sooner. David Feldman, thanks, as always, for joining us on Felde's Follies slash A's Plus. Our thanks, as always, to David Feldman for joining us on A's Plus. David is an official scorer and stats expert who appears regularly on A's Plus. Our producers today are King Kaufman and Libby Coleman. We will be back later in the week with more A's Plus. Thanks for listening. A's Plus is part of the San Francisco Chronicle Podcast Network. Audrey Cooper is the editor-in-chief. If you like this show, we'd love it if you'd subscribe to it wherever you get your podcasts. And if you've got a minute to give us a quick review, that helps us build our audience so we can keep growing. Follow me on Twitter, at Susan Slusser. Support A's Plus and a lot of great journalism with a subscription to the San Francisco Chronicle. There are print and digital editions. Find out more at SanFranciscoChronicle.com slash subscribe.